but we, it's a we living word. We now have to function like this as a church. We need to, as a church, function like this. We can't come back on this comeback. Not focus on being restorers. God don't do all of this for us to go, we back, hallelujah, praise the Lord, God kept me. See, that's selfish. If I hold on to you and blessed you, protected your back, surrendered you from being touched by Satan, when you come back, be restorers. Because not everybody trusted God like you. Well, good morning again. All the youth are dismissed, age 12 to 18 years old, grade 7 to 12. I don't know where my daughter is going. She is not allowed to grow up like that. Shucks. Oh, man. Um, she is a youth now. Uh, all right. Ages 12 to 18. We're going to continue this series, and I am going to forewarn you not to dislocate you from the message, but I know here at Living Word Fellowship Church, we all appreciate a message that directly, I almost say individually, impacts you. And I'm not calling anyone here selfish, but we all like a message that is directly at you, meaning that something's going on this week, you've had some issues with relationships, and everyone's like, yo, that message changed my life. I am going to go home and be a better wife, husband, single, etc. I will say this as you continually digest this series, is that these messages di directly affect us. So I pray that you are not individually focused today, but I pray that you are collectively focused on where you are today in the body of Christ. That you want to be in a church that this is and a safe place at that. I pray that although you came and I pray that you stay patient throughout this series because if you are educated well, then you will also know where you are safe and you'll also know what church to look for. So again, please bear with me, but I can't apologize for the Word of God because this should be taught. However, I recognize that in the world we live in, this is probably the sermon that is not necessarily taught and possibly overlooked. So I pray that you will bear with me today as we continue our series on it's time and the reason why it's time to be in our church. Can we read the scriptures together briefly? And then I'm going to explain how I'm going to digest this with you. It's in Acts chapter 20. We're going to do something different today. I'm going to go a little bit. Will you stand with me as we read in reverence to the word of God? We're going to start in verse 27. For I did not shrink from declaring the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among their, your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering the night and day for a period of three years. I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. You may be seated, and let's join in prayer. 
Dearly Father, we are excited because we get a chance to digest your church. I know even in fear and in trepidation, I have been preaching these messages that although include theology, this one is ecclesiology. That we, as we dive deeper into the study of the church and the structure of the church in which you set, I pray that people's hearts aren't turned off, but turned on to the body collectively. That we are excited to understand that we have a safe place here at Living Word Fellowship Church, and it should maintain its safety if done well. But God, I pray that everybody's heart is trying to figure out what we should be and what kind of church you have designed so that when we look at your design, we are excited about where you have placed us, that we feel comfortable and safe. But not only that, we are participating in the safety of your church. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to prove some things to you today. Before I even digest this text, I want you to get this real quick. Every movie, and I'm going to prove this throughout my message, doesn't matter what genre of movie you have watched. Now, a lot of people have different flavors, all right? Your flavor could be different. A lot of us like to watch some movies that I was not allowed to watch. So before I even start this sermon, let me at least—I grew up in a very different home. And this home did not allow certain movies. Like, a lot of y'all grew up on Martin. I I couldn't. Some of y'all watched The Simpsons. I couldn't. I I had a different— channel structure through the parental guidance of my parents. We watched Family Matters, and the, the riskiest thing we watched was Fresh Prince at the age of like 16. I, so when I say movies, just know that my childhood was limited at best. Just know that we didn't get a chance to see like coming to America until I was 30, all right? So just know that I am behind schedule. All right, so, this, so y'all don't judge me preemptively. But in every movie, there's a safe place. And y'all, y'all, you're going to realize I'm right. Every movie, every genre, it doesn't matter your demographic. I was watching Kong versus Godzilla yesterday. I was enjoying it while I ironed clothes because kids got to go to school, and now I'm back to ironing. And I don't like to iron, but I'm back doing it. So I was ironing. I figured I'd take my mind away, watch a movie that nobody cares to see because the same thing happens every time, but that's okay. I was watching it. I needed that time. I watched the movie, and I realized, man, I felt bad for the monkey. I did. Now, hear me out. This is going to make sense. All, look, the beginning of the movie starts out like this. I'll be fast. The man walks up. The little kid walks up with a little doll in her hand. She said, he's angry. Of course the man's angry. He's trapped. He's trapped in a little dome thing because then he picks up a tree, sharpens it somehow, and throws the tree up in the air. I was like, yo, that's a strong monkey. Then he throws the tree, hits the top of the dome. He didn't, they, he wasn't supposed to know it was a dome, and it hits it, and all the television that were displaying the sky is now exposed. Then she turns around, says to her mom in sign language, he just wants to go home. Home was supposed to be a safe place. The rest of the movie takes place. I'll go fast. The rest of the movie takes All he wants to do is what? Go home because home is a safe place. But because they trapped him in a fake place, he knew he shouldn't have felt comfortable there because all the leaders had tricked him into believing that that was home and he knew it wasn't. And that's how some of us feel at church. We feel like we're in a safe place, but even though we come here, it feels like a dome that many people are showing you this is what church is supposed to be, but that's not church. So you're supposed to feel safe. You're supposed to feel like you are protected here. You're supposed to feel like the leaders of this church love you. I'm not talking about Livermore. I'm just talking about the overall church, the universal church. But because America's church has perverted what it is, all of us are now starting to throw our darts at the screen saying, this ain't church. And don't get me wrong. 
live and work and fall victim to this at any point in time if the leaders don't do what they're supposed to do. So even though I'm preaching this message, I could be the one that is showing you a fake screen. This is why I love the body of Christ, is that we're all supposed to be pointing, especially in our new world. Don't tell me I'm lying. In this new world we're living in, y'all don't tell me I'm lying. Church looks fake all day. We're falling for politics, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, vaccinate, don't vaccinate, what black versus white, Hispanic versus this, uh, whether to let Afghanistan or all the people from Afghanistan in, we're, we are divided all over the place. So, of course, people are now deconstructing their faith and throwing darts at the screen. So don't, when you read this message, just know you're supposed to feel safe here. This is supposed to be your safe house. But every movie I'm fixing to reference, you're going to realize everybody just wants to go home. And let's go home for a second. In Acts chapter 20, verse 27, you're going to read Paul talking to the people of the, of the church of Ephesus. And when he's talking to the church of Ephesus, he's trying to get them to understand that you are supposed to be protected because I have designated you people that are supposed to watch over you. But before he gets there in verse 27, right there at the bottom, bottom he said, I have given you the whole purpose of God. Now, this is important because before you can design something, before you're supposed to know where you're at, you're supposed to know what the purpose is. You can't go anywhere if you don't know the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is very simple. It's where Jew and Gentile, if you look up, watch this. He says in verse 20, he says, I have been teaching you publicly from house to house. Then verse 22 reads, and he says, sorry, verse 22, it says, Solomon testifying, verse 21, both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I have been trying to teach you about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how he's supposed to root Jew, Jerusalem, Greek, Gentiles, all together under the body of Christ. Last week, we talked about the unification of the church due to conflict. Two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that the church is supposed to be unified, Jew and Gentile. Before that, we talked about the what? The unification of the universal church. Why? Because the church was supposed to be unified. That was the whole purpose of God was to bring people together so that they can worship together, so they can do his purposes together. But what is the fastest way to jack up the church is to divide it. Now, hear me out. If this church, if universal church is not together in something, accomplishing the whole purpose of God, if we are not aligned according to the Word of God, what are we really doing other than sitting down on a Sunday, making sure you get out on time, and then going back along your way? It becomes purposeless. And many of us attend church without purpose. We come, we feel better about ourselves, we get that word, and then we go home. And again, it is all dependent on the personality of the preacher and the personality of the worship leader. Then everybody goes about their merry way saying, that was church. That's not church. That wasn't the whole purpose. The second thing I want you to understand about the purpose of God really quickly is this. It doesn't change. Oh, this one's going to sting a little bit for the church, and I know hopefully it stings me too. I ain't going to sit here in front. If you read it, you read it well. It says divine, the word purpose means divine will. But the beauty of God saying the word divine will is that he has this thing that doesn't change. His purpose for this church, living word, and the universal church will never change. So that means who's changed it? We have. Guess who else has changed it? American church has changed. Guess who else has changed it? Evangel evangelicalism. Gosh. I've said it so much, I even messed it up. I'm not going to even say it again. I'm trying to word it. Evangelicalism. There you go. They even messed it up. Wow. Then we have how many different denominations do we have right now? If you just count right now, if you could do it, we have seven, eight, nine, 
30 different denominations. We have three in one. We have Catholicism, Pentecostals. I mean, you just go down a list. Church of God and Christ, Church of God, Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day I mean, that, that's not a denomination. It's a totally different thing. You keep going. Because if God, if Satan can divide the church, he can take away the very purpose in which it was created for. So then we have to be what? We have to be a little nervous that we're changing, not, a, not attending, not a safe place. We're attending just a place. You should be, when you walk into a church and you put your name on a membership list, you should be saying, I attend the church because I hope it's fulfilling the full purpose of God. But not only is it unchanging, it is predetermined. Because this matters what I say next, and I'll get off this point and I want to move forward. If it's predetermined, that means not only does it not change, that means he had a plan for it the whole time. So why would you jack up what God had planned the whole time? Because Jesus had to get involved in order for this plan to work. That means he had to die on the cross for our sin, raised three days later so that we can have this thing called what? Church. So therefore, Jew and Gentile, through the blood of Jesus Christ, which we'll talk about in a second, had to be involved in order for us to have this very moment. So when you get down here and you do communion, why is that important? Because you're remembering what he did to create a new covenant for the new believers who now have this thing called church. It was predetermined. So if it was predetermined, why in the world will we keep trying to make up our own determination of what it should be? And therefore, there was supposed to be people that were protecting it. And then he gets into the next verse. These people that he designated were supposed to protect it. As you know, Paul and Peter, we have already talked about, had a leadership purpose in developing the foundational pieces of the church. But then he left people when he left Ephesus. He left a group of people that was supposed to be doing something. And for the rest portion of this passage, I want you to spend time in here. And I want you to understand, in verse 28, I'm going to take it apart. I'm not going to deconstruct it, but I'm going to take it apart because I want you to understand who and what they were supposed to do. And then we're going to understand for who. And I know you're going to take that apart just one second, but watch the word he says. I left you somebody, and it was this word in verse 28, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, this word has been jacked up over time because now everybody wants a title with no responsibility. This is big. This word also can be translated further in the New Testament. This word often people use this word bishop. This is where they get this word from. So when you see that pastor walking around saying he was a bishop, you know what I'm saying? I, it sounds good on paper. And it really it was not even developed in this text. They, they had no bishops in this text. So whatever he's referring to right now is honestly made up if you call yourself a bishop according to Acts chapter 20. But let's not stay there too long because what's important is this word is that you are supposed to have somebody that loves you enough to be your overseer. But that wasn't a title. So every time somebody cares about their title more than their responsibility, you should be scared. Anytime you come to church and he's more worried about what you call him rather than what he's doing his job, you should be nervous because it wasn't something, which we're going to talk about in a second, that you took lightly. It was a responsibility in which God, Holy Spirit, has convicted you to do. But churches, pastors, overseers, elders have now been more concerned about their title or, excuse me, their, how people perceive them more than what people should be perceiving, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is a lot. I know 
but I want you to get this. So the word overseer, over time, if you look throughout the New Testament, it is equivalent to the word elder. So if I say the word elder and overseer, just know, especially in this text, if you go up a couple verses in verse 17, he says the what? The word elder. So we already know there's no way to take this out of context. He's referring to the elders of the church. And that we'll talk about Ephesians 4 later, where it talks about who in that eldership should be. You got pastors, teachers, apostles. You got all these things that were supposed to be covering the church. So if we're going to look at presbyteros, if we're going to look at the word episkopos, then let's look at it well. We're not going to make this up. I am um, in every movie. Let's get to the next genre. My dad used to like watching these old movies, war movies. I don't, I'm not really a fan. I'm not really a fan because every movie America wins. You ever notice that? And I, I don't know if you ever noticed in war movies, there's not a lot of us present. So I'll be, I'll be disenchanted, to be honest with you. I, I don't really enjoy, but Pastor used to love war movies and westerns, which that's a whole different story. But in the beginning of every, and you know, war movies always are long, too. That's what get me frustrated. It takes forever. I guess because the war is long, but I don't care. Speed it up. Let's shoot somebody. But in the beginning of the movie, what happens? The general comes in, they bring them in this tent, everybody's talking about it, and all of a sudden they get together, they come up with this plan. They say, I need you to go excavate this person, saving Private Ryan type stuff, and then Ryan is over there stranded. That's his fault, leave him there, but no, they have to go get him. Now, if you think about the premise of Saving Private Ryan, I know people really like that movie, but Saving Private Ryan was kind of foolish because you sent like eight people to go get one dude just because he was the last brother, I guess, or something like that. I can't remember, it's been a long time. But they had to go get him. And the general comes up with this plan. This plan is supposed to protect them. If they go get this guy named Ryan, they're supposed to go get him and take him back to a safe place. But they had to use eight people to do so. They couldn't send the whole army, and that's what the elders are. They're people that God has sent to go get and save the people and make sure they get back to a safe place. So my point to you is very simple, is that you want elders because those elders are supposed to come out and say, hey, this is what the whole purpose of God is. Not that you can't interpret it. It's not that you can't do it for yourself. You should know this because you're supposed to be a Berean. But what you should be able to trust is that the elders are watching out for things, and I'm fixing to tell you what they should be doing next. They should be doing something. So therefore, if your elders aren't doing something, again, be very nervous in fear and in trepidation. If all they do is have a seat, but don't get out of their seat to do something, that's a fear-type thing. If the deacons, if the pastors are only saying, hey, make sure you call me the title, but I don't necessarily want to do nothing with you, that's the problem. Because we have what God is saying. He says, this is what I need you to do. He starts telling them, I need you to do this. Watch in verse 28. The first thing he says is, I need you to be on guard. And he's going to tell you why in a second. To be on guard simply means to be in a state of alert, be concerned about, to take care of. Oh, man. So an, an overseer should be what? on guard and being able to take care of, and we're going to talk about what he should be taking care of in a second. That elders, deacons, the pastors are supposed to be doing what? Hey, we need to take care of this, but the word be on guard doesn't just mean take care of. It means to be able to defend as well. But they only defend not according to their own knowledge. This is the big one. You can't defend something you don't know. So if an elder don't know his stuff, they can't defend you because the only thing that's powerful is the Word of God itself. That means if they're not looking at the map how to go get saved in Private Ryan, all of us going to get lost. The problem with many churches today, let's be honest, is that many churches are lost because the elders don't know what they're talking about in the first place. 
And then you got a pastor up here screaming and yelling and doing his thing and just saying, hey, this is what I believe the Word of God says without looking at the Word of God. So therefore, what happens is we have churches that are now under their own predetermination. That means I can make it up as I go. I can change offering. I can change communion. I can change this. I can change it because I got a word from the Lord two minutes ago. Fearful thing. Anytime I hear somebody say this, this is just me, a little critical, I know. Anytime you ever heard a pastor get up, not saying this ain't true, I'm going to be careful how I say this. You ever heard a pastor get up and say, I had something written, but God put something else on my heart, and y'all going to get that today. Not that that can't happen, because God can speak, but that should make you nervous because you want to study whatever God put on your heart. Why? Because he shouldn't be able to lead them according to what only what the Word of God says. But if that requires Greek, Hebrew studies, if that requires your commentary studies, if that requires you doing the right exegesis, how can you randomly get that? That requires study. And elders, when they make decisions, when they're trying to create policies, when they're trying to make sure the church is formulating the right way, you hope they make the decision according to the Word of God, because that's the only on guard they have. All right, you get it. But it says this. This is, again when it says be on guard, but then it says something else. Be on guard for yourselves. This is big. See, you're like, okay, Pierre, I get your point. I told you this wasn't a sermon that's going to change your relational life. You're not going to leave here dating somebody. I get that. But I want you to understand this. It says be on guard for yourself. That means the elder is supposed to be on guard not only for the church we're going to talk about in a second. Who else are they supposed to be on guard for? Themselves. Why? Because even elders are susceptible to sin. Even elders can fall for false doctrines. Even elders can start to divide. I don't want to state the name of the church, but there's a a very good, supposedly reputable church that now is divided and their elders are scattering all over the state. Why? Because they said the elders didn't even know which way they wanted to go. So now you have two churches forming. Now you have two different denominations forming. Now you have a split happening. Why? Because the elders struggled to understand where God wanted them because they weren't on guard for themselves. So if you want to know what that means, just really quickly, you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, I mean 1 Timothy chapter 3, and it talks about what an overseer should be. Verse 2, an overseer then must be above reproach. Uh-oh, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Titus chapter 1, verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you will set in order remains appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if a man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not, found, not fond on sorbid gain. Again, how many times do we have to say it? They got to take care of themselves. Because when I say this next part, and I'm going to go ahead and skip to it, it says that they were chosen not necessarily by Paul, but their fruit was evident through the Holy Spirit. So it says that, watch this in the same verse, it says what? I know I'm skipping to it, but it says, you were overseers among the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you. The only person that can make an elder is the Holy Spirit. 
We can't choose them. We only choose what we see. So when the elders, when Paul saw it, he chose elders based on what was made available or what was made evident through the Holy Spirit. That means you can't fake it. And this also means you shouldn't rush to pick a leader because you want to make sure their fruit is not bitter. And that's why a lot of people get frustrated at Living Word Fellowship Church because we don't do quick with leadership appointing. We don't go fast with it. We want to make sure you've been here a while. We want to make sure that you ain't what's going to happen next in this text. We want to make sure that everything that you say you are, you are. We want to make sure your wife look at you the same way you say you think you are. Because it says one wife, but it also says manage your own home. Let's look at your children. Why? Because everything matters when you're managing a church because it's God's flock. So yeah, living word is a little slow, but I would rather be slow than quick. I would rather be slow and watch that fruit develop. I would rather see the tree and experience that tree. I would rather see the person serve because you can't lead without service. So this person just says, I want to be an elder, but hasn't served a lick in this church. They might be in the wrong spot because you can't do either one. You got to do both. It's taking a while. But then it tells you some other things you should be doing. Not only be on guard, but it says you need a shepherd. I love this word shepherd. It says, have made you overseers to shepherd now, shepherd needs his own definition. It's to watch out for the people of God. Now, that also means what you may take bad is that if you have a shepherd, that means you have sheep. And don't take this the wrong way. Just because we're different roles doesn't make, make us unequal. Just because, you, just because you are attending the church and there are elders doesn't make the fact that you aren't a vital part of the body of Christ. It's not an elder church only. It's elders that hopefully oversee what God has designated for his church. Because what we also know is God draws people unto himself. The elders are only responsible for what God draws to himself. Therefore, you go to Acts chapter 2 early on, it says, and he was adding to their number. So therefore, you would want elders when people added to the number, you would want elders who do what? To take care of God's people. A church without a leader is a struggle. But you also need leaders that take care of their responsibility. I know shepherding has a lot of definitions, but one thing you could say is in Ephesians 4.11, it designates what these shepherds were supposed to do. Shepherds are not only true to the doing what they're supposed to do, they were called shepherds because they had to take care of people who were defenseless. What's the thing about a sheep? Sheep has no defense mechanism. They can't do anything. They can only run, and we all know that's not very swift. We also know that, she, that sheep do what? Often stray away. So you would love that you had a shepherd that would go back and say what? Because we have one good shepherd who does what? And leaves a 99 and goes get one. We know we can't do that because God is a better shepherd than we'll ever be. But you hope you have elders who are what? Shepherds just like Jesus who will help go get the one. That's why when we call you, when you miss church eight weeks, don't be mad. We're just trying to make sure you ain't the one. Also, you want somebody who's going to say, man, you can't defend yourself. I had a rod and a staff. But you also want to make sure they're following the shepherd themselves. Shepherding is a big thing, but I, 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 this might be a point of tra transparency, and this might be too much. I'm not sure. I never wanted to be a pastor. And it's not because of my dad. My dad didn't do anything wrong. Just being honest with you, it's not like my dad sinned and that's why I didn't want to become. That's not it. My dad lived a very integrity-oriented life and still does. And I appreciate that. It made me the man I am today. But I also saw him cry a lot. Not a lot, but I saw him cry a couple times when he was praying in his study and he didn't know I saw him. I saw him wake up early, stay up late. I saw him have to come to meetings even when on some days he couldn't or tried to. I saw him work, some, I saw him do, work pretty hard shifts, if you want to even call it shifts. I saw him cry at funerals, seen him weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. And I was like, that ain't me, Doc. I'm going to work for college. 
At least you can get off at college. At least, you, at least your cell phone, you could turn it off at a certain time. But there's one thing I can always count on. I've I never seen that man turn off his phone. And even when he takes a vacation, for some odd reason, he takes another phone that can get international service, which that's on him. He got to stop doing that. That's his fault. He got an assistant pastor now. That's my job. But I never wanted to be this because I realized how much shepherding takes. You should want somebody who's willing to die for their flock. And I'm going to lie. There's a moment where I almost thought he did die. He kept going to the doctor for his heart over and over again. And I said, that will never be me. But then I applaud him because the next Sunday he would come up and preach. Nobody knew. Nobody knew his heart was fluttering. So I was like, yo, that's dope. I appreciate it for everybody else, but I don't want to lose my father. But that's the shepherd's job. The shepherd's job is to lose his life for the sake of the flock. So although it looks good on paper, and you got all these televangelists, and we got all these people on IG giving you three-minute words, and we think that's what pastoring is, that ain't pastoring. That's why I didn't want to become it. But that's what God has called you to be. So you don't want somebody who isn't called by the Holy Spirit to do something only the Holy Spirit can equip you to do. Because then what you have is a motivational speaker. That's what you have. You have somebody who won't care for you on Monday, but definitely give you a motivational speech and send you on your way. That's why this, my wife asked me when I was sitting over there, she said, what's, what's on your mind? I was like, this sermon is going to be hard because it's not the motivation. People aren't leaving this Sunday saying, "Woo, looky here. They ain't leaving this joke talking about, man, Pierre preached today, man. I can't wait to go back. This is the sermon where you lose people. <laughs> because they get on IG and they hear something totally different. They see pastors tell them, hey, if you claim it, you name it, you got it, you get it. And I'm over here talking about elders. Elders? What kind of sermon is this? And guess who picked it? This dude. <laughs> so lost a little bit. He was like, we're going to preach Acts 20. I, looked, I was like, gosh. Our membership ain't growing this Sunday. All right. <laughs> Shepherds. <laughs> a pastor's task is to take care of his congregation. That goes not only in 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4, Matthew 18, 12 through 14, Matthew 12, 30, and Luke eleven twenty three. 23. I know that's a lot. It's in your notes. There's one more thing that an overseer does before we dive into the why. And he's to be on alert. Be on alert is quick, and, it's, and it takes a little time to digest, but don't worry. I know you're like, he did be on guard, then why did I have to be alert? Be alert was more futuristic. Be on guard was to pay attention to the temporal. Hey, and I'll tell you why in a second. But be on guard was like, hey, be the same scripture was used when what? Jesus was telling the people to, hey, be on alert. I can come back at any time. Same scripture, same word choice. So what he's saying, hey, the elders need to be on alert for what God is doing in the future. They need to be on alert so that they can pay attention to be prepared for the, and be vigilant for the continual life of the church. That means they should be able to hopefully see what God is asking them to do and do for the continual life of the church. That is futuristic. Be on guard is temporal. It's like, hey, I see it. I got to get it. Be, uh, be alert is like, hey, I see it, and we got to plan for it. That's a lot. But 
Then he tells you who he's supposed to take care of. And I'm going to be fast because he calls it a whole bit of different names. He says, there is sheep, which I already addressed. Then he says later on in verse 29, he said, not sparing the flock. So now he gives you a flock name. That's a group of people that are under the leadership of a shepherd. Then he also tells you this next word, which got everybody confused. And everybody was trying to give me different definitions of the church of God. The church of God means it's only this, that it's his and it's his alone. Because although Jesus died for the church to make it the Father, so it's the Father's church, although it is the triune church, although we all function, have roles in the church, he's saying Jesus gave his blood. That's why he says it's his blood because they're triune. Now watch what I'm fixing to say next. He gave his blood so that you can have the church through his son that is his, so therefore it's my church. I know that's a lot. I did a lot of pointing like pastors, so y'all should have got it by now. So let me say it one more time for those who need theological clarification. It's his church because God had a triune plan to send his only, his own begotten son. So through his son's blood, it is now God's church. So then if it's all this, watch this word, we'll go back up to the divine will. If it's all this divine will he put predetermined and non-changing plan to save a church who sometimes doesn't love him back and has contorted his very plan, if that's a God that said, you're still my church, why are we running from it? If he did all this to give his son's blood so that we can come here and some of us ain't even in tune with church, we just made sure we didn't miss because we felt like there was a Sunday to make it. If he did all this, even if we don't pay attention to his plan, why don't we love church? And I'm not talking about Pierre's best. I'm not talking about pastor's best. I'm not talking about that we have the best church in the world. I'm saying you love his church. So any pastor that steps up and says, this is my church is a bold-faced liar because we didn't give up nothing to get it. We may help continue his will, but we don't have his will. We can only read about it, digest it, and have his word so we can do it. But other than that, you don't want somebody making it up because therefore they're outside of what he called his church. And they're now making it what? Their church. And if they make it their church, you, everybody's being misled because sadly it's a flock that's supposed to follow a what? Shepherd. So that means the whole flock is now messed up because one person said, it's my church. And God was like, you didn't jacked it up. Now I'm going to take my lamppost from you. The biggest fear you should always have for Living Word Fellowship Church is that God says, that ain't hit my church no more. That ain't it. Because later on, if you look at this book, I know I don't have much time. If you go to later on in the Ephesus, he was like, Ephesus, you have, you have messed it up. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. It's the same church he was talking to. Because guess what happened to Ephesus? He says, I'm supposed to protect you from something, and this is where we're going to conclude. I don't know if you like church or like movies like me, but there's always something in a movie. I don't know if you're like me. And no offense, Pastor used to ruin movies, and I'm not going to lie, I used to like when he was wrong. I'm dead serious because pastor did this every, uh, I'm sorry saying pastor, this is really his dad role. I'm just going to say dad. Because he, he would be in the beginning of the movies doing what? It's him. <laughs> Hated it. Dog, be quiet, fam. <laughs> Look, because then, then I'm watching the whole movie believing it's the dude. Then dad gonna give some <laughs> dad gonna give some biblical reason why he thinks it's him. Like, that's, that's, what, that's another reason I hated watching movies with him. He couldn't watch a movie without being a pastor. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. 
You know why I know it's him? Because Satan moves in mysterious ways. <laughs> what? It's Rambo. What, I mean, what are we doing? This ain't hard. It's the person who has the other gun. That's the bad guy. You know why I love Rambo? Because even though he gets shot, he keeps moving. That's how God has us. Stop it! Gosh, you just let us watch Rambo and I'm 18. Come on, man. Let me enjoy the movie. <laughs> man, uh, man, because you know Pastor can talk and he'll pause it too. <laughs> this is when I knew the movie was jacked. I'm going on my tangent. I'm going to get back. This is when I knew everything was jacked. Me and Paul would just fall back in our seats. He would like this. Let me tell you something. <laughs> we got bolder in our 20s. We were like, can you turn it back on? We don't care. We don't care about your biblical analysis of why this guy's a bad guy. But bottom line, get back to the point, is that he would always try to pick the bad guy. I don't know if you're like me, but if you watch a movie, you're trying to figure out who's going to be the person who turns. Okay, you're with me. So pastor would always try to pick him first. I, I didn't like it. But now I find myself quietly doing it. We're all guilty of it. Don't judge me. I'm my father's son. But I quietly do. I don't interrupt my kids, even though we're watching Paw Patrol. I'll be trying to figure it out. Paw Patrol, they be double agents in that thing. Because the person you have to figure it out is always the person that comes from the inside. There's obviously an evil person, but we always know somebody, he's pulling some strings, right, to make somebody on the inside turn. So it's always when you're looking at a good movie, especially a good one, you're trying to figure out who on the inside is the bad guy. Because you already know who the bad guy is on the outside. That's not the distraction. So therefore, what he's saying in this next part of the text is what? I'm not, I know who's on the outside. We know Satan's lurking. We already know that we talked about that, the Hades and the gates of Hades and all the stuff that we've talked about already, that the outside, yeah, we already know it exists. It's the ones inside you should be concerned about. And the elder's job is to be looking around saying, oh, I don't see no fruit, Doc. I don't know about that guy. That's what you want an elder to do because we're supposed to be looking out for this next thing. It says savage wolves. This is why it should be your safe place. Because we're supposed to be, Lord willing, elders and leaders supposed to be looking out saying, uh-uh. Nah. That's a savage wolf. There's an IG reel where she, there's a girl who taps it and there's a song. And she taps her boyfriend on the back and she goes, snake. I, for those who are older, IG is Instagram and a reel is a short clip. But let's move on. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but there's a one IG reel that everybody keeps repeating and somebody taps somebody on the back and goes, snake. You would pray that your elders are going to say, snake. That we don't want people to be able to hide in sheep's clothing. You should be able to come here and get a safe place. But that means that you ever wonder why membership classes for us are important? Because you're praying even in the two weeks that y'all have to do it that nobody wants to go to. Those two weeks you can say, hey, this may not be the church for you. And everybody's like, y'all legalistic. Y'all too serious about it. No, you want the wolves to be found out quick. Because we've seen wolves come in and ruin a church. We've seen some fake elders ruin churches. Not saying living where I'm talking about period. Because he's not just talking about wolves out in the pews. He's talking about wolves that come out of the elders too. 
You, I'm going to prove it to you. Watch what he says next. It says this in Washington verse 29. We're going to read it. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So let me get into the text before I waste any more time. Matthew 17, 7, 5, 7 15 says, you need to beware of false prophets. So the first wolf you should be concerned about is what? A fake preacher. A false one. And you're like, Pierre, how do I know if it's false or not? I, you, you can watch YouTube now. You can watch anything you want. Anytime it contradicts the word of God, he is no longer true. He is false. I'm not saying people don't make mistakes, Doc. I'm not saying people in the back, me and pastor always talk about the text we're fixing to preach and we're trying to figure out, hey, what is the mind of God? You should be studying. Pages should be long. Pastor's pages are 50. I'm working on my 30s. Pastor's going to read. I'm going to read. You want somebody at least is searching the mind of God so that when they get up here, it ain't no false prophets. So therefore, when Matthew 7, 15, he was saying, don't let them ruin the church. Don't let them ruin my people at that point, not the church yet. So the first wolf you should be concerned about is a false preacher. John 10, 12 repeats the same sentiment. But what I thought was super cool about this text is even Ephesians 5, 6 through 14 talks about there was people creeping around the church of Ephesus. This is bad. They were starting to spread Gnosticism, docetism. They would come in amongst the ranks and say, no, nah, don't believe that. Believe this. And then people started dividing over what somebody else said. And then you start seeing people have to come back and defend it. Then you see Paul have to write about it. Why? Because he's having to fix what he warned them about. Now, here's the crazy thing about the story. He has no idea futuristically that the church of Ephesus will be affected by false prophets, false teachers, and wolves. No idea. He just knows that God has a purpose. Don't mess it up. This, it's going to happen because Jesus already told us it's going to happen. So I'm telling you right now, it can happen. So this is supposed to be your safe place. You know, my wife told me a quick story. If you know anything about my wife, she a thug. Dead serious. Y'all think I'm playing? Every time we go to the airport, they find a knife. Y'all think I'm playing? I'm dead serious. No, I'm dead serious. This other day, she was like, this is when I knew we're going to post me on an anniversary. I was like, we're going to jail again. No, I'm joking. Never been to jail. Never been to jail. You can still, I can still be an elder. Um, all of a sudden, she, I saw that, you know, when the backpack goes left, when it's coming down the thing, and if the safe ones get down the thing, then all of a sudden, the bad ones go left. And I looked at my wife. I saw her backpack go like this. Whoop, whoop. And I was like, God bless her horse. This is not number one. This is the second time. And she goes, the guy goes, hey, do you, by any chance you have a knife in here? I was like, here we go. <laughs> Baby, I am black. I don't know if you know this. I am going to jail. But she a thug. But one day, she came to me. <laughs> and she said, you making me soft. I said, aha! It's working. This charm is working. This 30-pound weight loss is working. And she said, nah, because you make me feel safe. You make me feel like nothing's going to happen. Now, it's not because of my muscles, y'all, because y'all know I can't fight. That's why she got a knife. <laughs> she got mace, a little electric thing, and a knife. Why? Because I'm only biting the dude's ankles. You might as well hit him with the chest. You know what I'm saying? I can't fight. I grew up in Katy, Texas. Mm. <laughs> but she said, You're making me soft. 
And that's what I want you to be here. So many of y'all walk in here with hard hearts because you've been hurt by a past church. Some of y'all walk in here because the pastor said something and you're like, I don't know if that's right. Some of y'all always had to question the pastor and making sure he's preaching the right thing, which is good. Some of y'all have always felt like, man, is offering going to be taken advantage of? Where that money going? Some of y'all walk in here saying, man, Pierre, there's no way I'm going to be soft again. But the prayer is the longer you stay here, Living Word Fellowship Church, you can become soft again. That you can feel safe. You can leave your knife, you can leave your mace, and you can leave your taser. Because you know right here at Living Word, at least you have elders and deacons and pastors who care about you where you can get safe again. And when you feel safe, you can serve. And when you feel safe, you can let go. And when you feel safe, you can make relationships. But you got to let go as well. And I I hate to say this, but I I pray in 27 or 28 years, Pastor can correct me. At least you know that we've been here. And you can start feeling safe. We're not a perfect church, y'all. We just hope we can make you softer. Because there will be wolves that come. That's the crazy thing. It says, when I leave, they coming. That's a fair statement, right? Guess what? They come. And the best way to divide a family is from the inside. Y'all know this. Y'all been in some family dramas before. You went to picnics where you knew the uncle and auntie wasn't getting along. The best way to break up a family reunion is come from the inside. You don't bring the stranger. Everybody kick the stranger out. The best way to divide a mother and a father, you divide them. The kids will divide themselves. So we know that the, the, the wolves will come. We ain't a perfect church. We're just hoping that we read the Bible enough where you can figure out if they fruit are good or not. But wolves, it says this word right before it, it says the word savage. That means they ain't coming to tickle you. They'll tickle your ears, but they ain't coming to tickle when they're done. They're coming to make sure they ravage this place. That's why I say you can't be about divide. Like any church that's about dividing, you should run from that person. Hey, come listen to me real quick. That's wrong. Anybody that's trying to divide the church without going and try to do what we talked about last week, bring the church back together, confront the person that they have a problem with, anybody that's like gossiping and slandering, run. Because they're showing you right now, I'm going to divide this place. I just want you on my team. I'm not saying it's perfect. Hear me out. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm just saying we just did a passage last week that teaches you how to handle conflict in the church. So therefore, anybody that's not doing it that way, run. That might be your wolf. I love that Paul warned us about wolves that are coming. That's why we got to be on guard, be on alert, and be good shepherds. Because his flock he died for. Ain't nobody going to mess it up. Now, this is probably off. Pastor didn't know I watched this movie. But have you ever noticed? uh, Black movies have a theme, especially Tyler Perry. But I used to like this movie that nobody knows about especially if you're conservative, was called The Wood. Okay, good. Then you had another movie. It's called The Best Man. Oh, that's when everybody knows. All the ladies in here are like, oh, I hope he doesn't say what I did. Yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm going to explain it fast. They was getting married. Everybody was getting along. You know, there had to be a twist. All of a sudden, you find out the best man did something he wasn't supposed to do with the person he wasn't supposed to do it with. The husband finds out, the future husband finds out, chaos. I don't know why. The wood that had chaos. Every African-American good movie sounds like there's always something happening within the side of the group. And therefore, what happens at the wedding is absolute chaos. Well, guess what? God says, I'm the groom. 
and the church is his bride. But then sometimes you have this best man sitting over here acting like he's on the team. But what you need to recognize is sometimes these best men and these groomsmen, they might be wolves in sheep's clothing. They all wearing a tuxedo. They all look like they're on the team of the bride. They all look like they're on the team of the groom. But there might be this one person out there that's saying, nah, I want to take advantage of that bride. My point to you is that you want to make sure that the people that are inside this church, that is not the best man that that, in that movie. You want everyone to show their fruit. My prayer for Living Word Fellowship Church, I know this wasn't your sermon that made you feel like you're going to be able to date and have a great marriage right after this, but at least you know you're at a church that will help you heal, help you get soft, help you be protected, help you feel like we're on alert, and help you feel like we can continue to shepherd you well. No church is perfect, but God is. And this is his church, not ours. It never will be mine. It will always be God's. He died for it. He owns it. And it's his. My prayer is you feel safe. Can we pray together? <laughs> it's not an altar call today. Because it's not, to me, it's not a place for an altar call. But I just want you to think through what church is today. It's not. It's not a place for me to, I just want you to feel safe. That's our job. If anything, we should be altar calling ourselves. But this is for hopefully your own edification. So all I'm going to do today is just pray. I'm going to pray for one of my, I think I would say this well, my family who's leaving. And then we're going to conclude service. So let me at least conclude the sermon with prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you for your church that you protect, but you have entrusted elders to do so. Because you knew that people would attack the church. You would, they would attack the family. They would attack the marriage. That Some people aren't in the bridal party. They, they are up for what they want to get out of the church. That people have taken advantage of. It. They've been greedy. But you told us what elders should be. They shouldn't be lovers of money. They shouldn't be out here getting their own. They should be have, living sensible lives. That it should be man of one wife. You told us what the expectations should be for an overseer and an elder. You told us what we, our responsibilities were. Now, I know these things will hurt. But I pray that everybody gets soft because the elders will take that burden. That from amongst ourselves, we'll check ourselves. But also we will be able to have a church that can get soft again. Because a soft church can hear the word of God. A soft church can serve well. And a soft church can love each other despite their past pains. So I pray we get soft again. Lord, we love you today. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.